Today, on Commitment to Truth. One thing I've learned in the body of Christ is that we are family. And just like family households and generational things, you can have wrong motives begin to permeate leaders who then affects those who follow, who then affects those who follow them. That's why it has to start with us. We cannot seek anything that belongs to God and Christ at all. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-8. through 8. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our reception among you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been treated abusively in Philippi, as you know, as you know we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation or our encouragement does not come from error, our impurity are by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted the gospel, we speak not intended to please people, but to please God, who examines our hearts. Verse 5, for we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor do we seek honor for, from people, either from you or from others, though we could have asserted our authority as apostles of Christ, even though you could assert your authority as a business owner or a manager of an organization. You can, you can assert your authority as a mother or a father. But we prove to be gentle. Listen to the words of this. We prove, and guys, really, really listen to this. We prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. In the same way, we had fond affection for you and were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become very dear to us. You read that, there's no pretense, there's no shadiness at all in their encouragement. So they step onto the scene in Thessalonica, and now they're charged to encourage these people in their faith and in the Lord. So here's the first thing that we must understand when it comes to a leader in the church, in the home, or in the marketplace, as our responsibility to model encouragement. The first place you find it is in verse 3, is that encouragement is to be era free. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes, but the approach has to be error-free. Let's go deeper. It says, we didn't come from a place of what? Error. In other words, this word error means this, one led astray from the right way. In other words, we're not going to try to encourage you to stray you from the right way. But it also means mentally strain, wrong opinions, relative to morals or religion, or in our case, the gospel, right? So I'm not just going to give you my opinion 
to encourage you because that will cause you to err. So how do we become men and women who give encouragement that is error-free? Here's the first answer to that question. Verse 4, to have error-free encouragement, it always must be approved by God. The word approved means this. It is tested, examined, scrutinized by God to see whether a thing is genuine or not. Can't just be, well, I just read this book, and this book said, this is how I should encourage you. Oh, read this book, and you'll be encouraged by this book. And if it ain't the Bible, it's not error-free. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 in the Amplified Bible describes how the error-free word of God encourages. Right? It says, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin. Encouragement may need to be you're convicted. For correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with a personal integrity and moral encouragement or courage. Error-free encouragement comes from the authority of Scripture. If we're trying to encourage each other based upon Fables and wives' tales and people's opinions, even our own, there's error in there. Always error. And chances are it will not help that person long term. And it will not have transformed them and moved them towards the transformational work of the, of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The, the second way we can describe encouragement to be error-free is that error-free encouragement is to speak the gospel that we're entrusted with. So remember, everything we do, everything we say, everywhere we act, the gospel must somehow be tethered to and are lead, led with. The word entrusted means this. It says in verse 4, again, entrusted with the gospel, I place confidence in. So I myself have confidence in the gospel. And my encouragement to you should cause you to have what? Confidence in the gospel. And if I'm giving you some type of confidence or encouragement that isn't giving you confidence in the gospel rather than you know, confidence in the gospel and the person of the gospel, Jesus, then we're leading you astray. Because think about this. I can call you every day and try to encourage you based upon my own thoughts and my own opinions. But if I encourage you with the gospel... The gospel stays with you when I'm never around. So that's, that's what has to happen in a home. You know, we can threaten our kids and say, you know, if you do that again, I'm a, this is going to happen to you because I'm daddy. But if I say something like my mother used to say, boy, you know the right thing to do. And you know what that was hinged upon? Everything she told me and everything my daddy told me and modeled about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she only had to say, you know the right thing to do. And I'm like, why did she say that? Whoa, why did she say that? Can't believe she said that. But if I was sent out the door with a motherly or fatherly threat, oh, it's just them. They're not around. I can do whatever I want to do. 
But wherever you go, Jesus goes. However you live, the gospel is ever present with you. Make sense? It's no different than if you're sitting down with a brother in Christ and you're trying to tell him and challenge him on how to love his wife as Christ loved the church, but you say, man, you know what you need to do? You need to do X, Y, Z. And it had nothing to do with the good news of Jesus and his responsibility to the good news of Jesus. He's just going to continue to act a fool in private in his home. Entrusted with the gospel, place the confidence in, the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled, listen to that, by certain inner and higher prerogative and law of soul. You don't think that encourages someone, especially when you're not around? Air-free encouragement is approved by God because it is the word of God. Air-free encouragement always is tethered to the scripture. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. It says, we have been entrusted with the gospel, even if it's against our will, right? He says in verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I am under compulsion. In other words, it's just a part of my fabric. It's just who I am and what I should do and how I should live. It should just be what I wake up to do and think and live every single day of my life. You see me, it's the gospel. When I communicate, I may not necessarily communicate verbatim the gospel, but it is somewhere can be found in it. And that's why he says, for woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a commission nonetheless. In other words, at the end of the day, we've been entrusted with the gospel. And even if our will doesn't want to do it, we still got to do it. So there will be a person that you may have to encourage and they don't want to listen to it. They want to just keep doing it the way they want to do it. But you got to continue and to give them the encouragement that is found in the gospel because there's no other hope but the gospel of Jesus Christ. So after we become air-free leaders in our church and home and marketplace, when it comes to encouragement, you also find in verse 3, it says, it does not come from impurity. It, it's connected to the word of God and it's not impure. They didn't come with some impure motive. Let's look further. Encouragement is to be with pure motives. The word impurity found here in verse 3 means this. Unclean and moral sins are impure motives. So morally, it's right, and my motives is right. Let's go further. Pure encouragement never ceases to flatter with words. It says they didn't come with flattering speech. The words flattering speech means it's flattering sayings of God. Have you ever been around some people who are Christians who flatter with even the word of God? Kind of try to sweeten it a little bit. Add a little twang to it. You follow me? Rather than just saying this is what the Bible says. This, these words, flattering speech, also means more precepts given by God 
In other words, we come only with the moral precepts given by God. It also means this flattering style of speaking. Have you ever been around someone who they start teaching a Bible study? They don't sound any like, anything like they do when they just switch you one-on-one. Or someone who preaches, then you get to know them and they don't sound like anything they preach. Because when they get on the stage, there's a stage presence. And there's this flattering of speech. <laughs> who you are is who you are. The beautiful thing about the body of Christ is all of us are different, but we all can be the same, meaning that if we stick to the gospel... He uses various vessels. The way you will communicate the gospel will be totally different than the way I communicate the gospel. But it should sound the same. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, no, no, no. The way they delivered it is differently. It's different because that is them. That's her. That's him. But same content. It's kind of like if you want a package delivered. Right? It can come Amazon, come UPS, it can come you know, United States Postal Service, it can come DHL, it can come all different, you know, Federal Express, same content. But it should never, the intention should never be to flatter. Pure encouragement never has a reason for greed. It says, we didn't come with a pretext for greed, which means there wasn't this reason for having more. There's not this reason for covetousness. In other words, not being satisfied with what God has already given me. There's no reason for uh, what's called avarice, which means materialism. So Paul is saying to us that we who lead with encouragement should not have any ulterior motive behind why we're encouraging. Am I encouraging you to get something for myself? Pure encouragement, lastly, never seeks glory from men. I'm not encouraging you so I can get a pat on my back. I'm not encouraging you so that I can feel better about myself or others can feel better about me. Never the right reason. And that's why if you look deeper in verse number six, it says... They never came to seek glory from men, which means they never came to seek this preeminence. In other words, I am better than I am better than who I really think I am or who I really am under the eyes of God. Never seek this dignity, this praise and honor. Never seek a thing belonging to God in Christ. He's the only one deserving of glory of man. So how dare we, in the midst of trying to represent him, right, trying to encourage someone, and now we're trying to rob him of his glory. 
You see why? And it's essential to model it first. Because bad habits breed bad habits. One thing I've learned in the body of Christ is that we are family. And just like family households and generational things, you can have bad habits develop in a local congregation. Just like a local family. In other words, a family can have a sin issue, but it's just normal in the family. It's like, oh, everybody does that. No. <laughs> everybody shouldn't do that. Right? But everybody does it because that great-granddaddy, great-great-granddaddy did it. Daddy did it. Uncles did it. So it's like, oh, everybody should do it. That's just how we roll in our family. Doesn't make it right. Same thing can happen in the body of Christ. Is that you can have wrong motives begin to permeate leaders who then affects those who follow, who then affects those who follow them. That's why it has to start with us. We cannot seek anything that belongs to God and Christ at all. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14 says this, let all that you do be done in love. At the end of the day, you know why we do what we do? You know why we encourage? For love's sake. If you don't love God, you ain't going to encourage. If you don't love his people, you're not going to encourage anyone. And chances are, if you, don't, if, if you don't love his people, you ain't really loving God. Completely. Because how can you say you love God and you hate the people who created in his image? So our challenge is to understand we cannot selective encourage, selectively encourage. Well, I encourage this person because we kind of get along. And that's what happens in the body of Christ. It's like, oh, we, we kind of see eye to eye. So I love calling her and, and encouraging her because, you know, she doesn't resist me. But what about this other sister who needs your encouragement, who does resist? And maybe a little harder than the other person, relationally. Doesn't take your input as swiftly, but still there's a responsibility to encourage all the more. Yeah, there may be brothers in, in the church that you don't necessarily click with. You follow me? Well, we don't like the same thing. We don't understand each other. Okay, we're on different economic levels. Wrong. At the end of the day, our challenge is to become men who encourage everyone because if they're created an image of God, our responsibility is to love them still. Make sense? Race, culture, socioeconomic class, no matter what it is, it is the responsibility to love as he loved. And encouragement is birthed out of true, sincere, as we've learned today. Encouragement is birthed out of love. It is sustained by love. Can I be honest with you? Listen, even as a pastor, it's like, dang, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get it? And it can get frustrated. Early on in the ministry, it was like, man, maybe a nice left hook or something may help that bro. You know, <laughs> a good punch in his chest probably would help him. You know, but the Lord had to show me, no, 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 that doesn't work. That doesn't work. <laughs> but I had to learn the endurance of encouragement, which was through love. If I didn't love that brother, you follow me? And people can hear love even through hard sayings. 
You could tell them hard sayings and even sometimes necessarily roughly with a guy, you know? But at the end of the day, if they know you love them, a guy will respond in a healthy way. Let all you do be done in love. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 17 says, For we are not like the many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. That's what this is all about. Man, if we're saying that we want to be uh, leaders in our homes, in the marketplace, you know, no matter who you are, leaders in the church, we got to be men and women who understand that our encouragement must be error-free. It starts with, I cannot tell you anything that is not written. And here's the challenge. If you don't know if it's written or not, you better go find out if it's written. Or keep your mouth shut. You can defer to, hey, bro, I'll pray for you. <laughs> and, and you go, go get yourself a concordance and Google it or however you want to find it to help them from a theological and a biblical perspective. You follow me? We got to be men and women at the end of the day. The reason why I do what I do, it's pure. Because it's driven by love. Amen? Let's pray. Can you today uh, pray in your own hearts that you'll become that leader in your home, marketplace, in the church that will encourage others air free and with pure motives? Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.